Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, and Damakon Sue re-signed a one-year $9 million contract with the Bucks. Their defensive band is all back together. Who is next? And Donovan Smith. Their left tackle added a couple years to his contract, providing the Bucks with some much-needed cap space. Who will the Bucks target in the draft? And will the Rays pitching staff hit a fatigue wall at some point this season? We've got all that in your mailbag questions answered 100% correctly on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. And it was a sort of a busy day uh, as as these things go in free agency for the Bucks. Boy, I'll tell you, Steve, you know, they <laughs> – I was, I was at the boat parade, which many of us uh, were sober to remember, but others may not have. But there was a lot of drunk promises made that day, and they've kept almost every one of them. This is an unbelievable uh, achievement if you if you followed free agency throughout the years. Very rare to get back all your key players, you know, particularly the ones that uh, that you're going to rely on or had relied on so much to win a Super Bowl after that season. And yet, um, the Bucks completed one task, which is. Their entire starting 11 players on defense will all return, and Damakon Sue was the last piece. You know, I didn't realize that your butt ain't going anywhere was a promise. I thought it was just a, a drunk saying. So, <laughs> um, But Bruce really sticks to his guns and his word, apparently. So, um, yeah. But, you know, it, it, shows, it shows a lot of things. It shows about the culture and the organization that has been built here now that yep. – Maybe a few years ago didn't exist, and you could argue didn't for a long time. When you looked right. at, you know, the, the the players here, and and you know, even as you guys talked about you and Tom yesterday talked about on the podcast. I mean, you know, with Jameis, you know, not having those leaders and not having guys that you could look to and and see how do I win? I mean, you know, Levante David was here how long without a playoff game? Gerald right, McCoy, you know, not that they're bad players, but. You know, we always talk about, you know, with Derek Brooks in that group, I mean, they needed Hardy Nickerson and, and someone to look up to yeah. and, and, you know, show the right way to do things. And, you know, just because you were successful at college doesn't mean you know how to come in and do it at the pro level. Um, you know, Tom Brady didn't have to be the leader of the Patriots when he started his career. You know, Drew Bledsoe was the starter. He came in injured, and they had a great defense and a lot of veterans on those teams. And he grew into what he is today. Um, you know, you don't yeah. start there. Drew Brees didn't start that way. Uh, you know, you name it. I mean, that's that's not the way it works. Is you don't come in day one and all of a sudden you know exactly how to win and do everything. That's not the way sports or the world works. And so, you know, the Bucks have put together a great group of coaches. The front office has done a tremendous job, and, and the players all want to be here and be a part of it. And and maybe some of them could have got a little more to go elsewhere. But when you like where you work, you like the culture, you like the environment, you like the weather, you like everything about this place. They're keeping the band together, and, and they've got a legit shot. I mean, they're probably the favorites going into the season. Yeah, you would think so, and I, and I, I do think you know the, the culture is something you is a word that gets thrown around a lot, and it got thrown around a lot here because they had like five coaching changes in nine years, and every one of them would stand up there and talk about culture. You know, we got to change the culture. Well, winning is culture, 
And it's mm-hmm. a real chicken and the egg thing. You know, when you win, that is the culture. And Tom Brady brought that to Tampa Bay. There were good players here, but to your point, they didn't know how to win football games or they didn't have a quarterback who knew how to win football games. And I think it was a combination of both, to be honest with you. Todd Bowles, you know, won games as a head coach uh, his first year with the Jets. The next three years, they did not win. That He did not come from quote-unquote, a winning culture, but Todd Bowles was here to coach defense, not to be the head coach. So he certainly was able to do that and install his program with a bunch of new players. No no question they have drafted better, um, particularly in that secondary. And a guy like Devin White, I think, is franchise-changing, to be honest with you. I think that's, that's the piece that a lot of teams would love to have um, in the middle of their defense. Um, but you're right. I mean, I you know, they have – something here now and when you win a Super Bowl uh, very often you have players who are looking to get paid looking to get more credit that sort of thing now what's not been really talked enough about probably is this this is an old group of guys they have returned with the exception of guys you know uh, I mean there's a couple of exceptions obviously Uh, you know Godwin is one of those he's a young player they got him back on a one-year franchise deal uh, Levante David, you know, is 31 years old, uh, you know, and Domicon Sue is going to be 34, you know, it, you know, even Shaq Barrett will be 29 in November. So you hope because it's going to happen at some point, the expiration date is going to, you know, they're not going to be as healthy and they're not going to be as productive. That's what the NFL is. You know, um, as you get older, it's rare for players to maintain their level of productivity, mostly because it's hard for them to stay on the field. Uh, age catches up with everybody. So, you know, for some of these guys, you, you know, they, they've made their money. They've now won their ring. And so you didn't know what it was they were necessarily after. But it does speak a lot to the environment here. You know, you hear this after Super Bowl teams all the time is, is how close-knit the group was, how much they enjoyed each other. I think I think a lot of it has to do with the coaching, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I, I think there are guys that are player, that, that you enjoy playing with and for. And because this is an older team, um, I think Bruce Arians and his staff do a really good job with older players, giving them the days off they need, making sure they're healthy for Sunday, getting them to the starting line in training camp You know, after a tough training camp, making sure they make it to opening day. All those things are important as you're an older player because if you go somewhere else since there's some – you know, guy with the red ass, you know, that, that's going to make you do, frankly, what Greg Schiano did when he got here. You're not going to have much fun no matter how much money you're making. You're just not going to have any fun. You know, toes on the line, blowing the whistle. Um, and sometimes that is needed, and, and in this case, it's not. They have their leader. They have good leaders. Uh, you know, and Sue is one of those guys. You know, Sue really is – I mean, I don't know what your, your thoughts about him were before he got here, Steve. I mean, he had the reputation of – being a dirty player early mm-hmm. in his career, certainly a productive one. And we remember how that all went down, right? It was like, hey, wait, Gerald McCoy's getting kicked out and Sue's taking his number like the next day. You know, it's like that country song, that's my girl, my whole world, but that ain't my truck. Uh, the guy drives up and somebody's wearing his number. Somebody's playing his position. Uh, and now he has a Super Bowl ring. But, you know, Sue, is, Sue has been terrific here, I think. Uh, played the most snaps of the interior line last year. Had a ton of, of quarterback pressures, uh, up to his sack total as well. So I think that was a key signing for them. 
I think it was a key signing, and, and you know, we talked about it at the time he added some snarl to that defensive line. He did, he did. You know that that Vita Vea could feed off of, and and you exactly. know some of your younger guys. I mean, JPP already had that and stuff, but, sure. but even Shaq Barrett and stuff. I mean, he just mm-hmm. kind of added a some some. You know, I'll use a term John Cooper uses all the time for like sandpaper or some grit. There you go on that yeah. defensive line. That you know, Jared McCoy's a hell of a player, right? But that, he didn't have that type of personality and that type of presence you know per se right. in the huddle in that and it, it's not taking anything away from gerald they're just different types of players um sure and, and i think you know that defensive line at that time needed some of that because it wasn't a very good one when when they came in mm-hmm. um and then you start right. adding pieces like shaq barrett and jpp and even carl nassib when he was here and and you know obviously vita vea young guy and and so yeah. you know I, I think it you know he's been a great fit here um and and you know maybe not didn't live up to the reputation he had per se although maybe that reputation wasn't really earned it was just one he had right i mean he did some things that were you know obviously sure. against the etiquette of the nfl stomping on guys after the yes. play and such and he got fined for him and he got suspended you know he had a lot of a lot of answering to do for that but as he matured as a player those those incidents seemed to have gone away and you know whether it's look whether it's golston uh vita Vea, mm-hmm. i mean you know, last year, because of the injury to Vita Vea, it wasn't a sure thing. I mean, they went and made a nice trade for Stevie McClendon, who I thought was a huge piece for mm-hmm. them. Obviously, you know, also coming back, don't forget, is Raquez Nunez-Roches, who had to play and mm-hmm. start for Vita Vea. So they not only have their starters back, but they've also got some of their depth back. Now, they're going to have to draft that position. That, that interior line position can't exist simply with Vita Vea. At some point, Sue is already a year-to-year guy. His wife's expecting twins. Um, his life is going to change in ways he can't fathom. And there may be a point sooner than later where, like Gronkowski, he wants to go year-to-year where he might decide, that's it. I've played enough. I've made enough money. I want to get on with the rest of my life, whatever that is. And he's got a ton of business interests and you know, friends with Warren Buffett, all of that. So Sue, Sue is going to move on to a career fairly soon here. But the the fact that you could get him back with that number one run defense and then potentially add some 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 guys through the draft maybe to to uh, to bolster it um is huge and uh the continuity of this defense being in its third year now under um Todd Bowles is going to be big as well so that was a big signing and uh and he didn't want to go anywhere else and I agree with you I think it is the culture I think it is what they have going here, which is, you know, defending their, their uh, Super Bowl. Now, you know, the other thing that occurred, uh, you know, on Wednesday was Donovan Smith, who, look, before the season, I remember Donovan Smith considered opting out. You know, coronavirus was the great unknown. It still is in many ways. Thank God we made it through it, and they played an entire NFL season. I thought they did an amazing job with the protocols, the testing every day, and Smith uh, was expecting a child, his wife as well. And so he was nervous about things. He decided to play. So many people kicked the crap out of Donovan Smith. I never really understood it. I don't know what they expected him to be. But all I know is that the guy rarely misses, if ever, a game, let alone a play. And he goes against the best pass rushers in the league week in, week out. Now, are you going to win every battle? No. Um, and, and, and certainly, uh, you know, he became it's, – it's kind of funny how you become a better offensive lineman when your quarterback gets rid of the football. <laughs> It really, it really is something. Um, but that's what Tom Brady did. Now Tom still took more shots downfield than most quarterbacks in the NFL. 
but he also didn't hold the ball uh, five, six, seven seconds and still run around back there. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's when your offensive linemen look bad. So, you know, when they got to the playoffs, we always talk about playoff Lenny. How about playoff Donovan Smith? Yeah, there were some, some shaky parts of the regular season for him, particularly early in the season. No and, doubt. You know, part of, you know, maybe the I'm going to opt out in this. Maybe he wasn't quite ready for the season. You didn't have the preseason on all the offseason stuff. And But playoff pre-season time, he was phenomenal. And, yeah. Yeah, he, he stepped it up. He walled off some people. And, um, you know, Tom Brady was clean from the, from the get-go. So Smith, what he did was he added a couple years to his contract. They basically paid him his salary, um, you know, for 2021 as a bonus. That way they were able to lower his cap number to about $3.5 million, I think. And then they added a year, and they guaranteed next year's contract as well. Now, for 2023, nothing is guaranteed. So I always look at these things as, okay, how many years are they guaranteeing? Well, this year and next. So he essentially got a guarantee he didn't have for 2021, which clearly he earned by playing well last year. Got an additional uh, $15 million or so guaranteed in 2022, and then – has a contract for 2023 if, in fact, um, he's still playing at a highly productive level. But, you know, continuity on that offensive line is so important in that left tackle position in particular. Now, I'm, I'm of the belief that Tristan Wirfs could play any position on the offensive line, maybe on the entire team. He's that good of an athlete. So at some point he could, if he needed to, move to left tackle. But why would you mess with the situation now? Tom Brady um, – was protected, particularly at the second half of the year when they when they committed more to the running game and did some play actions and things like that. So it's not broken now. Um, you certainly, you know, Brady, again, the answer to everything is Brady. You know, I, I was asked a question on, um, on Spectrum the other night. I was doing the, the TV thing on, on Bay News 9, and the question was, do you think that they're going to keep all three tight ends, you know, uh, including Cam Brady? They obviously got O.J. Howard back on his fifth-year option and then, Gronk signed a one-year deal. My answer was, ask Tom Brady. Because what Tom Brady wants, he seems to get. And, you know, at the end of the day, uh, Tom didn't know Cam Brady from anybody, you know, from, from Cam Newton. But when he got with him in the offseason, he liked, he liked the way he, he caught the football. And, um, you know, good thing they had all three because O.J. Howard goes down. Cam Brady was playing about 12 snaps a game, 11 snaps a game. He wasn't playing at all because Gronkowski wasn't coming off the field much. O.J. Howard was playing almost every snap. But, but where would they have been if O.J. Howard had not, you know, had gotten hurt and they didn't have a Cam Brait? See, that's the thing, you, you, you know, that, that guys like Brady, uh, and now I think Jason Light and others understand, is that, you know, it's, it's great if you have – everybody has good starters, right? But this is a game of attrition of injuries, much like the Lightning, much like any other team sport. And you have to have guys that can come in and not just hold the fort down, but actually, actually perform and perform well. And and all I know is that when Brait, when his when his role came around and he had to step up for OJ Howard, he played really well. He made some big catches, you know. And and you know the touchdown catch against Green Bay uh, was it was a huge play in this season. So uh, even though a year ago he took a pay cut, this year he's on the books for six and a half million. I don't think they've asked him to do anything with his deal yet. He's he's still on the roster, uh, I wouldn't think they'd expect to trade him. And, again, I think the trust factor that Brady has, has made, those relationships he's forged with his players, he wants them back because it took him a year, you know, to get that, that rhythm and to get that um, sort of, uh, you know, um, 
to, to become in sync with his receivers. And I don't think he wants to have to do it with a bunch of new guys. And, you know, Anthony Eclair is, is a free agent, so you may lose him. Um, you know, so I, I really think that, that all three of those guys are back. So it's, it's great if you're Brady to, to have this continuity for a second season. He thinks they're going to be better. Uh, there's no reason to think that he's wrong about that. Um, he's, been, he's been through it. And, you know, so these were, this, this was a big day. And, uh, you know, we, we can get to uh, some of the mailback questions, I think, deal with free agency, deal with what's next. So uh, let's, uh, let's move on to the mailback. We'll start there with King Lewis, who asked, bigger priority, Antonio Brown or Leonard Fournette? Well, it's a great question. And, and again, we'd have to ask Tom Brady. Um, here's what I know about the situation. You know, James White, who I think, well, I know the Bucks had an interest in, were definitely, uh, you know, would, would have liked to have had him. He played in New England. You know, caught a lot of balls with Tom Brady. He would provide that pass catching back. He has re-signed with the New England Patriots. Now, you know, Seattle re-signed their running back. So you ask yourself, you know, those are the two teams that we read anyway were potential landing spots for Leonard Fournette. From what I hear, uh, Leonard Fournette and or his representative are somewhere in the stratosphere when it comes to their salary demands. Like, not only are the Bucks willing to meet it, I'm not sure any team will. And I don't know what that number is, okay? I'll be clear with you. I'm, I've not talked to the agent. I have no idea. Um, the team hasn't told me what they're demanding. One can only surmise, okay? And good for him. You know, you, you're, coming, you're coming off a, a postseason where, you know, you were dubbed playoff Lenny, then Lombardi Lenny had some of his best games, averaged over 100 yards total offense in all four preseason games. I think that led the NFL. Um, this is your time to try to cash in. You know, his problem is is a little bit of an image problem or was because Jacksonville didn't want him anymore, not because he couldn't play, but because they didn't like his attitude. So they cut him. The Bucks picked him up. They got him for cheap. And then what happened? He almost got cut here. Um, you know, after the Minnesota game, he was inactive that game. You know, Bruce Arians brought him in and basically asked him, what do you want me to do? You want me to cut you? Like, you're not accepting your role. Your role may change, but you have to accept it. Well, he did accept it. His role did change, and he maxed out on it. But I, I don't know where that is. Um, and, you know, I think there's a place for him, and I know that Tom Brady wants him back. But is also, you know, you also have a value that each team attaches to a player. Now, you know, in my mind, Ronald Jones comes back as the number one running back. And you say, well, how can you say that after you watch the postseason that Leonard Fournette had? Well, I just know how much they like Ronald Jones. But Jones is in his final year uh, of his rookie deal. He's going to be a free agent. I don't know that, you know, they don't have a fifth-year option on him because he was drafted in the second round. So if you look at the running back position, Keyshawn Vaughn really didn't play a whole lot because he didn't have a training camp. He didn't have a preseason. He made some plays when he got in there. But, the, the you know, the jury's out on Keyshawn. They really liked him. That's where they took him where they did. Um, he should be better in his second year in the offense. And, oh, by the way, they pick 32nd in the draft, and there's some pretty good running backs out there. You know, Travis Etienne, for example, that might be available. Uh, you know, Harris from Alabama. I mean, Najee might be there. So you, you may want to look and wait, you know, to see how, how the draft develops. So I, I don't know where Fournette is. And because of that, I think it's going to be easier to sign Antonio, Antonio Brown. I, I just believe that uh, – you know, Brown still has some off-field hurdles he has to clear uh, with some civil suits that are going on. They just had some news about Discovery and how the Bucks 
the judge ordered them to turn over, you know, all correspondence, emails, text messages, and the like about about his uh, employment here or signing here, whatnot. Um, I don't know that any of that will impact him for the 2021 season. I don't know that it won't. But my point is, if there's a lot of receivers, and a lot of receivers have already signed, and there's, you know, this is a great receiving class. I think every year for the last couple of years, you could go deep into the second round and, and find a really productive uh, wide receiver. So for Antonio Brown, I don't know that the market's going to develop to such a stage that he would say, yeah, I'm going to take, you know, some other team more over the bucks. And the relationship he has with Brady, I mean, if you think about it, Antonio Brown caught 45 passes last year, and he was barely you – know, it wasn't until the last four or five weeks that he really was an impact at all. And, you know, they, he still managed to catch 45 passes. So give him a whole offseason, give him a training camp, give him all of that uh, in a second year with Brady, and, you know, he, be, he became a real factor in the postseason. Look at the Washington game. So I think that – not that it's necessarily a priority, but I think it's going to be easier to sign Antonio Brown than it will be to try to get Leonard Fournette back at this point. And I think there's a lot of reasons for it, not the least of which is I'm told that he's asking for too much money. So that would be my answer is Antonio Brown might be the next guy you see in here from, the, from last year's team. All right, PJB asks, aside from Antonio Brown and playoff Lenny, are there any players not coming back to the Bucks from last year? I can't think of one. Um, wow, I'd have to look at my extensive free agent list. I'm, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure there's a couple. I mean, Andrew Adams for one uh, signed with the, uh, I believe it was the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, so he's out of here, and he he played a, a vital role for him. Ryan Griffin uh, re- and Blake Ga- Blaine Gabbert aren't signed. At yeah, this point. I think Gabbert will be back. Yeah. I believe they see Gabbert as. The, as as the backup for sure i would guess ryan griffin wouldn't be back now some of that might have to do with you know we may have to wait until the draft process is over Mm -hmm. um just to see who they want to bring in as as a third or developmental quarterback i think it would behoove them to find a young guy that you could maybe put behind brady for a year or maybe two if he decides to play that long um and do that now sooner than later but then you're not going to force it it'd have to be the right guy and and they pick 32nd i don't see them doing that in the first round, even the second round is, is pretty early. Um, but could you get a Kyle Trask? Would you do that late in the second round if he were still there? Uh, those, those are all, you know, questions that we have to answer. But um, I, I think, I think Ryan Griffin may be one that doesn't come back. Um, gosh, there's just, there's just, I mean, you know, Jadon Mickens has an issue. He is signed, but he has an issue with that uh, federal charge about the uh, gun possession out in California. Uh, yeah, I, I don't – you know, Anthony Eclair is, is another guy that may or may not be back. I don't know where they sit with him necessarily. So there's a couple, but for the most part, the ones that, that we were used to seeing, you know, playing extensively um, have either re-signed or I think may re-sign. And so, uh, yeah, that list is getting smaller and smaller when we get Rockez, Nunez, Roaches. I mean, we'll see if Steve McClendon comes back, for example. I don't know. He's at that point where maybe he retires, you know, if he doesn't get the right deal. Uh, or maybe he had such a good experience, he, he decides to sign. Or maybe it's also one of those wait until after draft. You know, there's always a second wave of free agency for some of these guys. There's always the first week and, every you know, the big splash signings like Godwin and, you know, Levante David and Shaq Barrett. And then you have, you know, the next week rolls by and you start to trickle in 
Gronkowski and, and, and now and Damakon Sue and such. And then I think there's another wave of free agency after the draft. Pretty soon here, as in now, uh, the Bucks' focus will not be on free agency. They, they feel like they have covered themselves at every position. And I always say this, you, you attack free agency like you have to play tomorrow. You fill those holes, right? You fill those spots with a player. If you have to go out there, are you good? Because you don't want to be hostage to a position in the draft. That's how you get in trouble when you're like, hey, I got to take, I have to get a, a right tackle, or I have to get a left tackle here, or I have to get a safety. That's when you reach and, and, and you don't get the best player. But I think that they're at the point now where they could put this team on the field. We know it's the same team that finished last year, maybe with some, some good additions, the guys that are getting healthy, um, and they can win. And so uh, I, I don't know. You know, I think after the draft, when you know, if, if they don't get a running back or if they if they don't draft a quarterback, you may see some guys re-signing. But outside of Blaine Gabbert, I don't think there's many that I know that they want to bring back. Uh, that it's a slam dunk that they're they're back here this year. All right, John asked if, and it's a big if, the Bucks go back to back and win a second straight Super Bowl. What kind of legacy does that leave Bruce Arians? And is his body of work good enough for the Hall of Fame, or is it diminished a little bit by the Brady effect? Well, it didn't diminish Bill Belichick any with the Brady effect. I can tell you that, uh, and he won six there. I think if they look, if they go back to back, the last team to do it, oh three, oh four, was I think it was the Patriots with Brady. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, there's not there's not many head coaches with two Super Bowl victories that aren't in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I mean, you know uh, that that's that's a fact. And I think Tom Flores was the last guy to just go in this year. Um, so if you look at Bruce Arians body of work and it's not that long in terms of a head coach, you know, he was, uh, you know, the interim head coach, he's a, he's a two-time coach of the year for my money. He could have won it last year too. Uh, but to, uh, you know, to go to, to Indianapolis, take them to the playoffs, to go to Arizona and have some success there, take them to a, to a championship game. Then to come to Tampa Bay and turn this program around with or without Tom Brady, you win two Super Bowls, especially back to back, which is even more rare. I think he, I think he has a Hall of Fame resume. Uh, not not to mention all his years as an offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach, all of that. I mean, this guy's been coaching in football for over forty something years. He's been in the NFL a large part of that. So uh, yeah, I think I think that uh, I think it would be enough for him to go in, in the Hall of Fame. And the thing, the thing you can also expect if he fulfills his promise is that when he signed here, when he, when he signed his deal, Jason Light told him, my goal is to get you a statue out in front of Raymond James Stadium. So uh, that would be a first. But you may see B.A. out in front of Raymond James if he wins another, another Lombardi. There's only 13 coaches with two Super Bowl wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, all but three are in the Hall of Fame. The three that are not are George Seifert, mm-hmm. Mike Shanahan, and Tom Coughlin. And I would wager you two of those will end up in the Hall of Fame. I just think it'll take time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hardest sell is, for whatever reason, is going to be George Seifert. Um, you know, because he, he kind of was past the baton. I I still think that George was a really good coach. Mm-hmm. Part of his problem is he went to Carolina after that, and you know suffered through some horrible seasons. But uh, but Mike Shanahan, you know, he had Elway. I mean, you know, maybe. Um, Again, not a large body of work there, but uh, but yeah. Typically, if you have two Super Bowl uh, victories, plus the you know the other part, and there's no way around this. It's a human element, right? 
you know who votes for the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Mostly writers. Mostly writers and then usually two people from the NFL. I think last year it was Tony Dungy and Bill Polian um, that that were on a Hall of Fame uh, voting committee. And so, you know, Bruce Arians is a very media-friendly head coach, and there's no way around that. He's going to get a lot of people that he's cooperated with through the years. They're going to want to see him in the Hall of Fame, and they're going to vote for him. So that that's rightly or wrongly, that's it's a human business. That's part of it. All right, Joe asked, with all the voidable years that the Bucks have been putting in these contracts, will the Bucks be in the same position in two years as the Saints were this year, or will the salary cap booming help the Bucks avoid that? It's definitely worth it for the rings, but just curious. Well, I, I, it is worth it for the rings, and I think that's how you have to look at it. You know, when the Bucks got John Gruden in that trade, they mortgaged their future then, too. People forget that. I mean, maybe in ways – more so than the salary cap. You know, the salary cap is an accounting thing, and you can do funny things with accounting. What you can't replace are draft picks. And when the Bucks traded for John Gruden, they gave up two number one picks, two number twos, and $8 million. So throw out the $8 million. But, you know, the chickens came home to roost when you didn't have those draft picks. And, you know, eventually that got them because then they had to dip into free agency every year. Um, and so you never want to be in that situation. And there were some contracts that, you know, uh, they had signed previously that caught up to them. I think the only contract I think they're going to feel, in, uh, you know, after, after these next two years is going to be Tom Brady's. Uh, and they can even defer that to, a, you know, to a, a year down the road. But by 2023, I think Tom Brady could cost them $21 million or so on the salary cap. And they could split that up, you know, eight million and fourteen or something like that. It's twenty-two million. Some some sort of dead money calculus. Now, there's no question the salary cap is going to go way up because they're doing these TV deals, ten-year deals. You know, each owner. I think. Uh, I, I mean, what what is it like? It, there, it's billions of dollars. Okay, so you're going to see you're going to see a huge amount of player costs. Uh, and salary cap rising as a result of these deals. And they know that. And that's one of the reasons why they're not afraid to push the money. Um, but the others, you know, for the most part, after two years, I think they'll be back to ground zero. I don't, I don't think there'll be a whole lot of dead money on some of these others. They've, you know, they've, they've added voidable years. They've, you know, if you're paying, say, for example, Levante David's deal after two years, if, if the cap hit the dead money on Levante David, uh, because he he did three voidable years is three million or four million a year, that's so negligible that it, you're not going to feel it. And and I think the one that they're going to feel is Tom Brady, but he's Tom Brady, so you know you live with it. You just decide much like much like the pay, the, the uh, New Orleans Saints have done for years and years with Drew Brees. I mean they're going to take an enormous hit this year, and Drew Brees is not their quarterback. You know so they've had to account for that by paying guys like Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill not very much money, you know, so that the quarterback position is still uh, something they can handle. But um, but there will be a cost. I, I, I don't think it's going to disrupt necessarily, uh, you know, their operation and they're just going to be in cap hell and not be able to field the best team. But understand this too, that, you know, there will be players, Carlton Davis, um, you know, uh, Vita Vea, right? O.J. Howard, if they want to continue with him. Uh, there's a bunch of players in the next few years are going to be coming up 
as unrestricted free agents. And that's when, you know, you have to make tough calls because you've re-signed so many of these guys now. Are you going to have money for them? And they're still going to be in their prime. Chris Godwin is another one. He's franchised this year. But what does that contract look like a year from now? So, you know, there's going to be some – it's an allocation system. You still have to decide, do you want player A or player B? But overall, I think the only contract I would be concerned with would be Brady's. And even then, they can spread that out over two years if he stops playing. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. All right, John asked, put your Jason Light cap on for a moment. It's the one with the beer can holders in case you missed it. And let us know what your early thoughts are and what has to happen for the Bucks to stay competitive starting in February 2023 after Brady and Arians ride off into the sunset. Well, I don't know that – I suppose Arians could ride off into the sunset. There's a couple things that that question uh, gets to. One is the beer can hat, which I love. And <laughs> there's no question that Jason Light would wear it proudly, yes, uh, proudly. at a parade. At, a, at his next parade, if you have that, um, he'd be game. Uh, but really, you're talking about what the essence of the NFL is here in this question. It's a coach quarterback league. There's there's absolutely no question about it. You know, I always say this. You know, whatever the matchup is on Sunday, tell me who the coach and quarterback is against the other coach and quarterback, and I'll figure out at least sixty six percent of the time who's probably going to win the game. That's how that's how important those two positions are and where teams get in trouble is they change the coach change the quarterback right uh they draft a guy number one overall uh maybe he doesn't develop like Carson Wentz maybe you win a Super Bowl with Nick Foles uh next thing you know coach is getting fired quarterback's getting shipped out you're you've got a new quarterback that you drafted and you're starting all over again and and you like to marry the coach and the quarterback up but, you know, Lovey Smith drafted Jameis Winston. How'd that work out for Lovey Smith? Well, he killed James Winston and Lovey Smith. Or, or he killed Dirk Cutter and Lovey. He got them both, right? And then Bruce Arians comes in, and he didn't get Bruce. Bruce got him. So, you know, when you have a guy like Brady, um, you know, he certainly is, is the, the great deodorant, right, for any franchise. Uh, all of a sudden, Bruce Arians looks like he can coach again. Jason Light looks like he can draft again. And he did. You know, let's not discount Tristan Wirfs and Antoine Winfield and Tyler Johnson. But what the question implies is, first and foremost, who's the coach and who's the quarterback? Well, the coach part of it I'm intrigued by because I don't know if Bruce Arians wins another Super Bowl or even if he doesn't. When Brady's done playing, I don't know that Bruce Arians is going to continue coaching here. I, I don't know that he won't, but I'm not sure he will. I mean, he's going to be 69 years old. Uh, by all accounts, he, you know, with the pandemic and everything else, he made it through with flying colors from a health standpoint. He delegates a ton of his, uh, of, of his game planning. He's got, you know, the only reason he came back was because he could get all his coaches, uh, starting with Bowles and Byron Lefwich. Now, 
how long can you hang on to either of those guys? Now, he's got guys behind those guys that he thinks will be ready to take over for them. Uh, maybe a Larry Foote if it was Todd Bowles. I'm not so sure what would happen on the, the offensive side. But at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself this question. Do the Bucks have a secession plan for Bruce Arians? You know, do they uh, say after this year or sometime during this year before we get to the hiring season, hey, our head coach in waiting is, is it Byron? Is it Bowles? You can't bring keep them both, right? There's a good likelihood, and I don't know why it didn't happen this year, but there's a good likelihood one or both are going to be hot candidates a year from now, particularly if they play well. Um, so at that point, you know, speaking of not breaking up the band, does Bruce Arians want to see his staff stay together and the Bucks go ahead and, you know, have a succession plan to where one of those gentlemen gets the head coaching job? I don't have the answer to that. I've, I've been told it, we'd be naive to think they haven't discussed it, but no one's willing to share it. So I would say that Bruce is going to coach this year and Brady's going to play quarterback. So let's talk about the quarterback. I don't know that you can, even though he signed a two-year deal, I don't know you can just assume that Brady's going to be back after the 2021 season. Um, he originally signed a two-year deal for $50 million. I think he was committed to doing those two years. I know Brady believes that it's going to, he's going to be better this year than he was a year ago, which is hard to fathom, but, but he knows he's been through this, so he knows how much better he can be um, having had a whole season. They were getting better as the season ended. All I know is a guy loves to play football. No one's going to tell him when it's time. He's going to he's going to make that decision, and the Bucks are going to let him play as long as they think he can still go out there and do the job. So it's possible Brady has two more years. However, um, if he doesn't, you know, do you do you begin to address the quarterback position now uh, so that you have somebody in waiting, which would be a young guy that can at least absorb from Brady what what it looks like and, and how you prepare and all of that? Or do you just say, hey, you know what? It works so well this time that we'll worry about the quarterback position when Brady retires. And maybe Aaron Rodgers will be ready to leave the Green Bay Packers. Or maybe, you know, some other guy um, that's, you know, that's been with his team that's one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL, having seen what Brady was able to do in Tampa, will want to come here. I don't know what approach they'll take. I think you should probably go down both, you know, sort of both avenues, try to address it in the draft if you can. But if Brady plays well, you're not going to be picking in the top 10. So you're not going to be in position to get one of the elite guys coming out of college. Now, you might fall into a guy in the third round like a Russell Wilson. You know, that would that would be on your scouting department to dig that guy out. But um, failing that, I, I think the Bucks have probably learned something about, you know what, we we're the king of drafting quarterbacks that go somewhere else and win. How about we just keep stealing everybody else's quarterback? And and they've got all the experience and the scars, and then they come down here. If we have a good football ta- team around that guy, he's going to win. So uh, I wouldn't just assume that when Brady's retired that that you know they they go back to losing you know ten games a year for the next twelve years. Um, it's certainly possible, but you know. Um, I think they'll find a way to address that position. And, you know, that's what half the league does every year. I mean, there are, I, you know, I've always said this last year there were 14 playoff teams, but typically 
there's only 12 or 14 teams, we'll say, whose fan base is happy with their quarterback, and those are the ones that made the playoffs. So out of 30 teams, that means almost you know more than half the league wants to kick the bum out of town. So you could be in that you could be in that business um, if you don't have a plan after Brady. Uh, so we'll just see. But yeah, don't just assume that they can't figure out the coach or the quarterback, even though both those guys are in, at the end of their careers. All right, we'll switch to baseball here. And Brian asked. Projecting the upcoming season, do you think it'll be likely that by August, across all clubs, pitching staffs may hit a usage or a fatigue wall? Well, I think, you know, the team that's going to address that the best is probably the Tampa Bay Rays. And, you know, they obviously lost Blake Snell, and that's never a good place to start in Charlie Morton. So those were, their, you know, two of their top three starters. Um, I think the way that the Rays have sort of, piece this thing together or plan on piecing it together instead of having you know three or four guys go 150 plus innings they might have eight guys go close to 100 innings and I think the depth of their pitching staff both in the major leagues and the minor leagues the versatility of their staff um, having you know the ability to put a lot of guys out there as openers then some bulk inning guys obviously their bullpen has been a strength of theirs for a number of years now I actually think they've considered all of this I don't know if you read John Romano's um, column in the Tampa Bay Times. It's excellent about the Rays' way, about how they find these diamonds in the rough, right? And, um, you know, say, for example, uh, a guy, you know, sort of flounders around with another organization, but they see that, hey, on your two-seam fastball, um, you know, you're getting like a ton of swing and misses or a ton of outs on that pitch. If you throw that more – Right then, you know you're going to be successful, and and they they simplify things for for players when they get here, and those guys try it and they improve you know spin rates and you know or adjustments where they move on the mound to the third base side, the first base side. It can be subtle, but they have so much data and they do such a good job. That's why a lot of these players that have been in other organizations uh, may not have been real successful at the major league level when they were with them, but then they come here. And you see them take off, so that's going to continue. And because of that, uh, I think the Rays are probably better positioned than a lot of teams that just say, "Hey, you know, here's 125 million dollars, go get them." And then that guy might get hurt, or you know, maybe not live up to his potential. Maybe he's on his on the downslide of his career, whatever. Uh, and they don't have a plan to replace him. The, the Rays' strength is always their depth, and I think they have prepared for this season coming off a shortened season, not knowing how deep guys can go. It's going to take a while to build their arms back to what, what it was. Um, and so I, I think they're in great position to uh, to sort of survive the the natural attrition of, of shifting to 100 to 62 games. All right, thanks for your mailbag questions. You don't have to wait for uh, one of those segments, but you can send us uh, questions anytime. Just do that on Twitter at NFL Stroud or at Sports Day TV. You can reach me. Uh, you can email me at uh, rstroud at tampabay.com. Tomorrow we'll have Tom Jones. He's back in better than ever. We're going to kick it around about some of our best and least favorite assignments during our careers. You want to be on tap for that. So uh, Tom Jones on Friday. Thanks for listening. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.